Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mangum Talks. We are here, the Brain Trust at the Mangum Talks podcast channel. I'm Liam here. I'm joined by Spencer. Spencer, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Also here with BJ. You know him of Mangum Reads fame. BJ, what's happening? Not too much. How's it going? And my buddy, my pal, Levi Baxter. Levi, what's uh, what's happening today? Living the dream. All right, man. We got all four of us together. We're here. Um, we're going to talk about a movie. This is the Mangum Watches podcast feed where we get together and we talk about a movie. Um, you might think we would we would pick maybe popular movies, movies in the zeitgeist. We have gone the other way, folks. We've gone the left turn. If you've listened to other Mangum Watches podcasts that we've done, we've done some some pretty sketchy horror movies. This is yet another pretty sketchy horror movie. Uh, it's called Ravenous, uh, release date 1999, director Antonia Bird. Uh, before we get to it, we'll plug a couple other podcasts. Spencer and I are doing a review podcast of HBO's The Nevers. Check it out. It's The Nevers More podcast. I uh, got its own podcast feed. Check that out. And BJ, uh, I think you lead Mangum Reads. Anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah. So we are well on our way into uh, the mystery subgenre. Uh, we're doing a bunch of Agatha Christie stories, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, we'll probably be moving back into a little bit more of our Bellowick as the Hugo Awards were recently announced. And uh, then we have this sort of little... Uh, you know, podcast that we sort of trail around called Pottering Around, where we are midway in the Goblet of Fire, and uh, it seems to be turning out to be our favorite of the Harry Potter series so far. So it's a lot of fun, and look out for that. Check them out. Check out Never's More podcast. Talk more about the Nevers, and then we have Mangum Reads and Pottering Around. Check those out as well. But the issue at hand today is we are going to review the movie Ravenous. Um, we have kind of done a round robin on who um, who recommends these movies. I believe mine was Megan is Missing. That mm-hmm. podcast really burning up the charts on uh, on the Mango Talks podcast channel might be the least listened to podcast we have ever done, um, <laughs> and probably for good reason. Very despicable movie. This movie notch above, still in the despicable realm though. Ravenous. Um, <laughs> Levi, you, you recommended this movie. I am interested to hear uh, a why you recommended it and b your general take before we we all go around and, and say what we thought of the movie. Um, I recommended it um, because I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, I think it's, it's really a fantastic movie. Um, I think it was uh, you, BJ, who stood around that that, that video review of Ravenous um, that I that I I, I I consumed, and I have to say that guy is me. Um, when he, <laughs> well, describes- he he did a lot more background work. I'm- when- when, when, when he describes watching this movie and thinking, is it, was this movie specifically crafted for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the same way that I felt with Ravenous. Um, I thought I, I stumbled on it for some reason. I don't, I don't know where I originally saw this movie, but I, I remember bringing it to you guys when, I, when we were in college um, and sort of forcing you guys to, to, to watch it, right? I mean, like we, all young males, you want to bogart some sort of form of delivery, whether it's music or movies and say, hey, I like this. Why don't you, you guys watch this and like this as well? Um, and, and there were mixed reactions. Um, some people like Spencer, <laughs> who have good taste, thought it was, it was worth watching. Uh, some people like our, 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 our friend Douglas uh, thought it was trash and, 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 and wouldn't let you hear the end of it. Um, but I think as we've grown up and as we've matured, we've, we now all see the, the, the beauty, the intrinsic beauty and, and, and magnificence of this movie, um, Terry. So um, I'm, I'm curious overall, what was your thought of, of this movie? Is, did you enjoy it? Um, so l- let's just do like a quick. So basically, tell me if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong here. It basically is almost like 
manifest destiny type thing, right? Like the American military is going West. They're setting up bases out, out West. Mm-hmm. And there is um, interaction with some people who are like uh, just out uh, in the, in the woods. And um, basically the whole thing descends into a cannibal story, right? It's, it's kind of like, like an overall sort of explanation. Like you've, you've got like some, some military folks, it's set maybe, man, I don't know, like 150 years ago, something like that, 100 years American ago. American War, like yeah. right afterwards. Right. Yeah, specifically during the Mexican-American War, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, there you go. Um, Sorry. Yeah. And uh, there's, you know, they, they they come across like some people who kind of come out the woods, like, oh gosh, like, in any way, it all descends into this sort of story of, of cannibalism and, and conflict. Um, that's just a i'm not i'm sure not everybody listening to the podcast is going to have have watched the movie so i just wanted to give like a, at least a little bit of something on the movie as mm-hmm. best as i can articulate as bad as that probably was but i will tell you my take on the movie good shockingly good i look i'm just going to say it like it's not a bad movie um it got me thinking um got me got me thinking some heady stuff levi first off um it it really got me thinking about like you know, we have a long, like this long human history, right? And our our forefathers have always drawn the line of saying, well, not always, but for, for the most part, mainstream society drawn the line and said, we're not going to eat other people. And there are probably a lot of instances where that could have been like really convenient. Like it would have been really convenient to just eat the dead or eat the eat the criminals or whatever. And, and for the most part, they didn't do it. And this movie kind of got me thinking like, well, why did they do that? It's a good thing they did that. I'm, I'm glad that at some point in our history, we didn't really introduce the concept of cannibalism. It became accepted practice because we might all be eating each other now. Mm-hmm. Um, so heady thoughts from the movie, right? Like, I, I don't know. It got me thinking about some stuff. I was also impressed with the cast. They got Guy Pierce, John Spencer of West Wing fame, shout out, did a great job in the movie. I feel um, like I want to say it here. I think that there are some like movies going into them, um, especially when they're not the headliner, like you need some warning for, for, for people that, that are in there because of how distracting it is. Leo McGarry is, was like so fucking <laughs> As the general? Yeah. It was just like, like, I know, like, I know he had to have a career before the West Wing, but like, it's not a thing for me. Right. And, and so. He's been typecast him, for you. Right. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I mean, you just probably never saw him in other stuff. He's been in a lot of other stuff and he, um, he does sim- he does play kind of a similar character, like the knowing older guy who like, yeah. you know, like is just telling some young gun something like right. that sort of thing. And he does that well. But like, shout out John Spencer. What I here's what I, I like to see in an actor is when they get cast in a movie that they could not take very seriously. Phone it in. And they come in with their heater. All time example of this Muppet Christmas Carol, Michael King, all time example Absolutely. Where he comes Great into this, he comes into the movie. He could not take it seriously, and he throws heaters. That's what John Spencer's doing here. Uh, I thought Guy Pierce did a good job. Um, I, I look, I thought it was a, a pretty good movie. I would, and I, I mentioned this to you guys before. Before I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to, to Spencer and BJ for their take. You know, I think we did like the movie about like the 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 twins mm-hmm. that weren't twins. Good night, mommy. The Austrian movie where there's like killing people. And then I, I threw out Megan is missing. Both of those movies are nowhere in nowhere in the same league of this movie. Ravenous is way better, way better. AJ. Interesting. So uh, like I, I find uh, Mommy is Missing hard to compare to, to Ravenous just because they're like they're so different. Um, 
but good, good night mommy i think it was yes um that's did you say I'm mommy cool. is missing i did <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that'd be a uh, weird hybrid movie <laughs> very very weird uh go a very dark place um good night megan so so for me this is the realm of like good bad movies so they're like bad bad movies bad good movies and good good movies and this is like the you know this was clearly not going to be a blockbuster it like wasn't really intended that way it's it's not like a you know film festival movie per se you know it's not many of those things but it ends up being a relatively fun movie and so this is what i would classify as like a good bad movie of the horror genre um and like and yeah terry as you were saying there are a lot of interesting things there and it's a there's a lot to read into the movie um where like it it is making commentary about like u.s history rather than just a like we're gonna do like sort of awful things and and that's gonna be the horror um and i think that in terms of like the horror itself there was like a good mix of sort of suspense and like there weren't jump scares just to be jump scares for like no reason. Like, and it was set up, like you knew it was coming and it was still done reasonably well. Um, and like, I think sort of all of those things come together to a, yeah, it's a, it's a reasonably good movie. Um, I, I think there are parts that were, that would have benefited from a little bit higher budget, maybe, you know, there's some scenes that it was just like, well, that's some cornstarch water and, and some red food coloring. That is that is not what blood looks like. You know, that, that brings me out of it for a little bit, but like it was engaging. Um, whereas uh, Mommy is Missing or Goodnight Mommy. There we go. I'll get it right. You, you could refer um, to them as singular. That's fine. <laughs> we, know, we know what you're doing. Oh, well, but well, so there for those with for different reasons, like I paused and I did other things. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, they were one was a little bit less engaging and one I wanted to disengage from for, <laughs> for periods of time. Um, whereas this, you know, I, I happily watched all the way through and um, yeah. And as I was saying, like sort of surprise actors is, is sort of one of the like other than very minor things, like just takes me out of the moment, but otherwise like I was just investing in the movie. So. DJ, uh, some, some commentary there. Uh, just a quick thought. Um, have you ever watched a Kurosawa movie? Yes. So you got to be okay with like fake blood, right? Like, like you, you got to be like a little bit okay with it and not use that as like a thing that you're griping about. It seems a little bit petty. Um, Look, I'm just saying like, it's all fake blood, like every movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's not true. No, uh, there, there uh, are examples. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's on it, purpose. It's usually it's hu- all fake blood. It's not usually human blood, but there are cases where they've used other kinds of animal blood in certain films. That's Dango not unchained, Spencer. That's, I know. This is not my point. My, my gi- yeah. general point is that there's comically fake blood in a lot of movies. That, it, that yeah. is a, as a theme that's a template, especially from Japanese influenced movies, yeah. um, where there's this, bl- this this bright red blood spray, um, which, yeah. which which for the American audiences was was most famously adapted into Kill Bill. Um, yeah. But that that shouldn't be oh. like a thing that pulls you out of a movie like it, it, it's there for a purpose it's not trying to be a documentary of of what yeah. do, gut, what do yeah. gut wounds look like um yeah. this isn't a training I, video for medical students so it's, the so much of the rest of the movie was done without that that like it was a 
like a departure for how they were depicting cannibalism otherwise. And so that's sort of more where, why it brought me out. And like, um, I think it was a relatively early scene of the, like, we're going full into cannibalism where there was just a bunch of blood on a window. And that was like the first time that they're really like, okay, we're going this direction. And like, I a hundred percent agree with you. Like, that's not a fair thing to take me out, but like, it was a bit of a left turn from where the movie had been going. And then it had that like added on top. So another thing I liked about the movie before Spencer goes, I thought it was a well-paced movie. It kept my attention the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't slow down and it also didn't seem like, like head spinningly fast either. I thought the pacing was very strong. Mr. Spencer. This is the quintessential example in my mind of how much I really recommend people rewatch films decades later in life. I mean, watching this at 18, there is so much about this film. I could not appreciate. I was not ready to appreciate. I was not ready to really understand watching it again, you know, 15, 16 years later. So I've now watched this three times. I watched this one time before we did this and watched it again now with Bridget. I really appreciate a lot of what this film does. It does a lot of things really well, and it's really interesting in a way I did not remember it being. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of different layers. There's a lot of different themes that I didn't really want to pick up on uh, the first time around. I still think it is probably the weirdest ass film I've watched in a long damn time. It is mixing together so many things in a way that surprisingly works it's doing so many different things at the same time putting them into a concrete production that i'm almost amazed come together it still doesn't mean there are some moments that i think are just outright willfully totally inconsistent in a way i don't always understand or able to go with there's moments this thing and this i think it's fun to watch you know about the production history about how it was marketed how it was actually done there are moments of where this almost comes across as almost like a spoof or almost of elements of a comedy that don't square for me well with the other things that they do. Um, but the overall film, the overall work of it, it's not a big film. It's not trying to be, but it's one of the more interesting and well-crafted works I've seen in a, in a long time. So I give it a lot of credit for making something that is truly unique and almost stubbornly so. And so, yeah, I, I really, I really, I, there's a lot about this film I could appreciate now in later life than I could more than when I was back in college. Spencer, I'm glad you're coming over to my side of the fence. So let me just do, do this exercise. Um, so the 72nd Academy Awards, the Academy Awards for the year 2000 for the movies that were released in 1999, which of these movies would you take over Ravenous? Um, because it, it, it was snubbed. Um, okay, yeah, let's, do, let's play this game. Cider House Rules. Really overrated. It would not glad, take over glad, Ravenous. Glad for Michael Caine finally getting his Academy Award, but really overrated. Would not take over Ravenous. Surprisingly Ravenous. good. Uh, is it? I think it's Tobey Maguire. Yeah, is huh. he's not so bad that guy. I was having a brief moment. Was it Tobey <laughs> Maguire or Elijah Wood? That's a fun kind of thing. Uh, Tobey Maguire. Uh, okay. Was, but, uh, so we have. Uh, so we've 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 now said Ravenous should have been nominated for Best Picture. Fair enough. Um, so the what green- were the other nominees though? The Green Mile. Well, uh, Green Mile's better. Uh, mm. That's a good film. You, 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 your racist Southerners and your magical black men. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, J- John Coffee, JC. I pieced what about, that one together all on my own. What about uh, The Insider? Don't remember it. Never saw it, actually. Never saw um, it. 
so I didn't watch it when it came out, but I watched it within the past year or so. Um, it's got Al Pacino a, as a um, investigative journalist with like a 2020 or, or, or 60 minute segment um, and Russell Crowe as a tobacco executive, um, sort of head of R&D of a tobacco company who's trying to, to come clean about some of the things they did. Yeah, actually a really, really good movie. Um, I liked it a lot, but fair enough. Uh, I think that's a, also a zeitgeist movie from that time. Cause that that's like, I, I want to say that was sort of like midway and, and the like big tobacco prosecution times so t- tapping into the cultural consciousness kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also like a, a, a sort of like low, low stakes thriller style movie that doesn't get banned anymore, but we've had that conversation before about how the sort of nineties, eighties and nineties, low stakes thrillers mm-hmm. that doesn't exist anymore. Right. Um, yeah. Like a gone girl was the last one that had a sort of major appeal and it, it actually crushed the box office, right. It made a ton of money, did well, people liked it, but that style of movie doesn't Book. get made that often. Um, next movie that was nominated six cents. I mean, I, I'd almost put six cents and green mile in the same category of where I think there are, each of those films, I think, has, has better, more powerful moments than Ravenous does. But Ravenous may ultimately be a better structured film than they are, just like as an overall package. I still would prefer <laughs> Sixth Sense and Green Mile more than that. I still like those films better, maybe because of their better moments. But I'm going to give Ravenous some credit. I'm having I'm having trouble putting Ravenous in the same category as Green Mile. But but Sixth Sense isn't great. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It's um, fine. Yeah. Okay, so this is the the winner of Best Picture in, for the seventy second Academy Awards, American Beauty. Yeah, mm. that did that I mean, movie. That movie didn't age well with the with the. I would say. I mean, Kevin I would say Spacey me too. I would say well. me too doesn't age doesn't do well with that one as a film in its own right. Though it is, it, it has some moments of brilliance in it that I can really appreciate. Is that the is that the 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 trash bag, the the plastic bag movie? That that is yes. a weird prolonged scene in that film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's but a the, movie that's feeling itself. That's a heat check moment right there. That is. I mean, some of the other, like, the coming to grips with, like, younger families and, like, what that sort of means in terms of, like, you know, the friends of your children and, and like, a dissatisfied parent. Like, I, I think that... It's a nice it, way to put what happened there. So Yeah. I'm just gonna call doesn't out. Doesn't he? Here. Get, don't, doesn't he hit on his daughter's like friend? Yeah, he, it's, he it, does. It's, it's, that's what that's what creepy. I'm remembering. So it, not, it seemed like a soft way to it's say it's midlife it. crisis. The movie. That's what it's talking yeah. about. It's a guy going through a midlife crisis and coming to terms with what he actually wants in his life. Right, yeah. and like so, it, it's like different generations have different crises in their life and how they deal with them. Like yes. I, I, I don't think like the take that they have like ages well and is great, but it's not a bad exploration of those. I'm not crazy about American Beauty, but I will say this. I think Ravenous, with a little bit more production value, let's let's give it a, a couple more mil on production value right there in the conversation. So I think that Ravenous is a great play. It's more for me a play than a movie in terms of like how how it's structured, how it's acted. Like it, it doesn't have the same smoothness that a lot of movies have in terms of like, you can tell that they've gone for like the best scene of and done it so many times. Whereas like, the, like it's just a different feel. I literally don't understand a word that you're saying here, BJ. I mean, I think this is a marvelous movie that you're saying that it's better as a play, which no one likes plays. So um, I like I, plays. fans are really Watch weird. You're you a minority on this one, Levi. 
you just ranked uh, the movie better than some of the Academy Awards one, but it's it, it's a good bad movie. Um, I, I, I think we all need to come, come to terms with the fact that this is really a marvelous little movie. Um, as Spencer called out, is it, 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 it's remarkably weird, right? It's it's not a normal movie. Um, the yeah. soundtrack is 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 is, is jarring. Um, in, in at its worst, um, at its best, it's it, it's amazingly complimentary, um, mm-hmm. and and it's it's sort of a weird movie. I, I will say the main theme has been rattling around in my head for the past few weeks um, because it's, it's just so 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 sort of like hauntingly weird. Um, it seems to me like the type of movie that get, that is very LA, like in the sense that like it was probably like discussed, fleshed out, and developed like in LA bars, like with guys being like, we're going to tell. We're going to tell a cannibal story and it's going to be, it's going to be a coming of age of America and, and manifest destiny. Like we're going to, and like, I can just see like some like jacked up LA producer, like selling this thing to John Spencer and like, you know, some downtown I'm LA bars where the screenplay is from, because the director is like, well, got brought in. He got brought in with like, like ten days' notice, apparently. Yeah. So, so Terry, you clearly you clearly didn't watch that video that the PJ sent around because it, it's funny to hear you say that because the director she was brought in with ten days to go because the previous director was was fired, was basically fired and being kicked out. But she was so um, she hated Hollywood so much and thought that it was such such a, a machine of a system that sort of extracted any sort of like beauty and, and, and artistic talent um, that this is the last movie she ever made. And she had to be talked into, to, to, to take over the production. So it I is could a very, favor for the producer. So I could yeah. still very much, my, my take could still very much be wrong, but my take was a little slightly different than that. Like, I mean, I mean, I like, the, the, like I'm talking about like the brainchild of it, who yeah. wrote the script, who financed it seems like a kind of LA conversation what? to me to get the ball rolling on this one. This is the kind of film of where I feel like it wouldn't have worked if it either had a higher budget or if the production wasn't just disastrous. This is the kind of thing of where I almost think it works out better that it had a script, it had the proper Hollywood treatment, and then they brought in a complete outsider to direct it just unexpectedly. The producers didn't, the, the, you know, yeah. the studio didn't want. If it in any way had more money thrown at it or more attention paid to, by the studio to it, I don't think it would have worked. It comes across like an art house production, a weird kind of art house production. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Spencer. You're you're describing it better than I am. I went the LA route. That's a much better term for it, art house production. Yeah, if, thank if, you. If, where they they gave an art house director a bigger budget than they should have because they didn't intend to do so. They gave her kind of free run of the script because the film was going to fail because they hadn't any. Their, their plan was utterly falling apart, and they just let her do her own thing. And that was remarkable in a way you don't see much because they would never voluntarily let any of those things happen unless they were kind of forced in this, in this situation. And I think yeah. the marketing even just kind of proves that further of once this thing was done and in the can, Hollywood had no idea what to do with it. They Did marketed they it as a horror comedy. This is why Spencer's yeah. my co-host right there. He was able to condense what I was trying to say. By the way, that, that was the best part of that, that, that video you said around bj was was i i had never because i i came across the movie you know async yeah. to, to its release i didn't know that it was marketed as, as like a, a horror comedy thing and like seeing the snippets of of, of the trailer <laughs> was, was possibly so the most absurd thing yeah, it, it just it makes great. no sense i don't find it funny really no i never right, no. found it, it funny it, it, it has it has oddly humor moments in it but it's not yeah. hillbilly with a shotgun and that seemed like how they no, tried to market uh-uh. this thing yeah it's not uh-uh 
But it did get me thinking, like it got me thinking a lot about cannibalism. I was actually like, like doing some like internet sleuthing on like the history of cannibalism in Western society. Next time and we get I, together, Terry's going to be looking at us a little fun. It's like, hmm. Would you like to contribute to this too? <laughs> Long pork. Mm. I even found an article on the ravenous Wikipedia. Here's a clickbait for you. Why ravenous is the greatest cannibal Western ever made. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not that, controversial, right? Like, I know. Like, I love that that's a genre. Um, it's, are there others? Doesn't have, doesn't have many entries. There are a couple. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the film. Let, okay. Let's go Let's go through a recap and discuss various moments we liked as we go through it. Okay. So uh, during the Mexican-American War, um, our, our main protagonist, John Boyd, uh, was... A uh, bit of a coward, uh, as mm-hmm. as as the Mexicans were overtaking him and fell down, da- sort of laid down and played dead. He was piled up on a on a slop of, or a sort of just a pile of 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 dead bodies. Consume probably burn this. Yeah, eventually. bring out your dead kind of cart. Probably was gonna gonna burn them, but but ultimately sort of like uh, j- just consumed some blood that was dripping down him and be- and became invigorated and and, and took over the fort. Um, so he's he's he takes over a fort. He has this, 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 this fantastic act, which, of course, deserves a medal of some sort. But once the, the once Leo McGarry figures out that this is actually an act of cowardice, uh, he says, you know, I, I got to award you, but I'm sending you off to the middle of nowhere. And yeah. w- one thing about that scene of the reward, he, he receives a promotion. I think he's like lieutenant. They make him a captain here at this point. Um, this scene with the meat, now knowing that the director is a vegetarian, I understand this scene better. <laughs> Yeah, it's so like everybody on their plate had like uh, giant Texas sticks. Well, yes, but it was like a leg. It was just like cut, like, you know, a large uh, leg was just, you know, cut into slabs. And it's just not a thing that you see anywhere ever, except for like Asian grocery stores or whatever, where, you know, uh, but it's, it's just like massive bone in the center the meats around it and that's the only thing on like everybody's plates so, so it's it's a remarkably vile scene of where it's yeah. all of me, it, it's meant to be in the guy's head of where you know he's starting to have this emotional freak out as he's seeing all these people eat, eat this meat we don't understand why at this point necessarily right but it's directed well it's, it's done well by the by the director because this is probably in my mind the most disgusting scene in the film is just seeing them all just chow down on what is essentially just fat and gristle on their plates with just nami um, noises in the really, background. It was really gross. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point, Spencer. Like, it was viscerally gross. Some of the other scenes are probably on paper grosser, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, not watching it. Well, it's, so, the, it's the, for me, it's the noises because she really you know, yeah. focuses Captures. in the sound. Yeah. yeah. On the sound of people chewing and eating and swallowing and just hearing those just overplayed in the volume of that ramp up as we see them just increasingly tear into these very blood red steaks mm-hmm. is just outright gross. And that's what she's going for. And, you know, kudos. Well done. Yeah, it, it's impressive because, like, you then realize how little you see other people actually eat and drink on film. And obviously, like, for good reason. Oh, yeah. This embodies why I find the word masticate one of the grossest words in the English language, because that's what they're doing. And it's just gross to watch people do. <laughs> Okay, so we've got uh, uh, Lieutenant John Boyd. Um, he's he's being shipped off to the middle of nowhere, somewhere in the Sierra Nevadas. I, I, yeah. Fort Spencer, maybe is the name. Um, yeah. yeah, Northern California. Yep. Um, and so he gets shipped off there to to, to basically the island of misfit toys. Uh, we have a bunch of like idiots there. Um, we've got some 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 weird priests. We've got like a, a psycho soldier. Uh, we've got a drunk uh, doctor. We've got a, a a general who or or, or sort Colonel. of. 
colonel uh, who's who's big on translating things from the original Greek. So he clearly is not exactly like working out and trying trying to trying to keep the peace. He's he's, he's more concerned with Aristotle. Um, and then we've got uh, David Arquette as a as as a pothead. A little bit of type. Pretty good there. get in the year two thousand, by the way. David Arquette yeah. still very relevant at that point. Probably yeah. the- other than Guy Pierce, probably the biggest name they really got for the film for what is ultimately kind of a big, a bit part. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you you think John Spencer w- would be there, but I think the 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 second life of the West Wing, it, him as Leo McGarry, probably elevated his status a bit more than than, than what yeah. we imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was right in the heart of West Wing to year two thousand. Like, I mean, this was like what second year, I think. So it, it was well, still, still, still early. Release. It was probably shot in like ninety eight. So well, you say it's, but it came out what year two thousand, right? 99. 99. Okay. So that, yeah, well, first year, first year of West Wing then. So yeah, maybe, maybe it didn't really, uh, what? maybe that didn't affect the casting. It'd also be a really funny, like some producer is like trying to figure out who to cast as, as uh, you know, the part for Leo McGarry and like they get some clips of this film and it's like, well, <laughs> well, he's playing a similar guy. Like I, mean, yeah, yeah. like I mentioned early on, yeah. it's, you know, let me, let me tell it, you young bucks it, how to do things. It goes in a different direction by the end, but yes, his setup in a kind of administrative role is very similar. One, one thing to note from his story, history standpoint, again, this is all taking place in the Mexican-American War. So all of this is territory that we just took over. This is not like well-founded U.S. California was taken by the U.S. as part of the war. So this is very much middle of nowhere territory that is vaguely being, they just took it over from the, spe- from the, Mex- from the Mexicans. It's vaguely being set up as a means of kind of like a way station for settlers. They're going up to like the Oregon territory. So that's the other thing that I didn't know offhand in a Spencer. I feel like, you know, offhand. Um, and I was too lazy to look up was the gold rush like insert that they had like around there known, or is that just like a joke for the audience? Say it again. So they, they, like, they mentioned that it's just like, oh, this is a good, like, waypoint for, you know, people going out for the gold rush. And I thought that was, like, a bit after. Um, Pretty sure it was a bit after, yeah. And, and so, like, to me, that was just like a, we'll have a use at some point, but we're clearly useless. We don't, like, just as a, like, these were the bits of humor that, that it, it, I maybe assumed like, and enjoyed. Like, maybe, like, the first notices that started to get out, but it really wasn't a thing until a couple years after this. Um, yeah, I mean, people had, had been mining for gold for, for quite some time, but yeah, the, the gold rush was after the Mexican American war because we needed to have the territories to be able to, to yeah. sort of ha- have control to be able to, to, to take it over. Uh, but yeah, so Island of Misfit Toys, there's, there's a couple of sort of Indians that just, you know, live there and, and ultimately, ultimately they give the backdrop of, of the Wendigo myth, um, which is the, the sort of central descriptor of, of, of what actually happens. Um, go ahead, Spencer. It's probably my favorite cultural taboo kind of mixed in with myth. I love the Wendigo myth just because it's so obviously almost like, you know, um, Judaism and not eating pork makeup where it's so much, let's make a religious aspect to explain something we just don't want people to do. Like we don't want people to eat each other. That's bad. Let's literally make it that a demon infests your soul and then (laughs) turns you into this cannibalistic creature as a result afterwards kind of thing. I don't, li- I don't like your characterization of that because, I mean, look, I mean, BJ gave his review earlier and he said that he he as a scientist was most jarred about the the, the, the color of the blood uh, from the gut wound. He didn't say anything about the Wendigo myth. So I think maybe there's a little bit of scientific scientific like basis for the, for, for the fact that if you consume someone, you take over their soul and get their strength. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that now I'm not eating people, but I, I, I'm going to say that if there's an opportunity, I might. Thanks for I'm, clarifying. Are you proposing an, another shared experience Saturday that we all can do sometime? Uh, I'm seeing a blind taste test. Uh, we get, <laughs> get pork, beef, and, 
so 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 Levi, like if if somebody that you were around had like a relatively healthy uh, limb that that for whatever reason that they needed to amputate that that you would like a hundred be like be full on like uh, tacos. Not illegal. I mean, if look, not illegal. Are you sure about that? It's not. It's not like like it. If we're going to be truthful between each other, like the reason why I wouldn't want to try that uh, is because I think that it, people would say that I'd, I'd done that. So if, if no one would ever know that I tried it, I mean, why not? So we so can't BJ, do a podcast about it. BJ, you you eat the weirdest things from 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 restaurants, and now suddenly you're gonna you're, you're gonna give me some eyes about. about I'm not giving a little you bit eyes. Of- I'm just asking you a question. Now there is a product that is out there of where there is specifically marketed as faux human, of where it is a artificial kind of construct that is flavored to be like human based on seems like a seems like a gag type it is i was gonna say if they're doing lab meat doing like human lab meat seems like it would you know why not this is the type of thing you guys elect me to congress i'm gonna put a bill on the floor of congress that's gonna make this illegal and they're gonna ask me to defend it i'm just gonna stand up and go meh you know this just should be illegal like so there's there's also the that's uh, what i'm doing day one there's a uk ice cream parlor that was using breast milk for for their ice cream that i think eventually got shut down so but you can, like yeah a, but you gotta be careful with that because you know well, you get one, in trouble one thing i like to, <laughs> one thing i like too from yeah, a production standpoint of them introducing the windago myth is the windago <laughs> myth is very regional it's not like universal native american belief it's very much confined to the northwest territories around the great lakes but i love this film explains that too is that this isn't a local belief that the Native Americans there have. They specifically got it from somebody else and they even acknowledged that in the script. So I like that kind of attention to historical detail is that we're not saying the, the Native Americans in this area believed in Wendigo or had it as part of their own cultural consciousness, but they got it from somebody that did and now they've kind of incorporated it themselves. But he, they have that one little, uh, looks like a, almost like a buckskin drawing of the myth. that. Yeah, that was a really weird like... Here, let, let's have a PowerPoint presentation about what the Wendigo is, how you get a, get around to it, and what happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it definitely was jarring, right? I mean, because it's like they have like it, that person probably has twenty possessions in their life, right? And, and one of those, <laughs> what is it, this? one is one is the Wendigo, so so it's a little bit unlikely, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so continuing with the plot, right? So so they're all, all all hanging around the fort, you know, doing doing their weird little thing, um, you know. John Boyd is, is just a weird guy. He, he clearly is dealing with addiction to human flesh um, and is and is trying his best not to consume meat because um, he believes it'll it, it'll it'll inflame him more. Um, and, and he doesn't know it yet either. He just kind of also like instinctual fear of it kind of thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, and he just doesn't want to eat in general. And is like, aren't you hungry? And it's like, well, no, I'm fine. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of like like vegetarian options at Fort Spencer, um, if, if I'm completely honest. So mm-hmm. I think I, I can't disentangle the two. I, I think it's more the meat, but we don't have textual evidence to, to, yeah. to distinguish the two. Um, so uh, a mysterious uh, person arrives, uh, Calhoun, uh, whose name is apparently actually how you spell Calhoun in Scotland. Um, but it was infuriating to, to, to see that in, in the subtitles. Um, Glad I'm not alone there. there Levi, the how'd you try to pronounce back. it? Can, do you remember how you tried to pronounce it first time you ever saw it? I, I, I didn't try. Like, I just like, when I see stuff like that, I say it's absurd. So I just like take the most absurd example. So like chloroquine uh, is, is the name, is his name, according to me, even though that's obviously not correct. Um, I had absolutely no idea how to pronounce it. Yeah, I was like, 
I thought it was a typo at first, by the way, Spencer. And like, I, I was researching it while the movie was playing. And I'm like, oh, oh, actually, this is how the the drunk Scots uh, spell spell Calhoun. Cool. That's it. That's a little weird. And so um, this is like one of the first jump scares that I think was a good one. Like, I think that that the jump scares that this movie did were really good. And sort of like this dude appearing out of a window and everybody like being like, what's going on? And then them going out with torches because like that's a reasonable that's response. Job. As opposed to like other movies where it's just like, all right, well, we need to shoot him. I, I really like that. Though these guys, as you, I love the way you put it, uh, Levi. This is, is an island of misfit toys. All these guys are actually pretty competent as they go about their jobs. They're also pretty determined to do their jobs. Like uh, Jeffrey Jones plays the, uh, the lead colonel. I think it's Colonel Hart because everybody has to be named for like a body organ kind of thing in this film. Um, he is. You know, he's an intellectual. He's he's clearly been exiled here for something he did in his past, but he's stubbornly determined to do his duty. And all none of his soldiers really fight him or resist him on that purpose. They all are very much soldiers, and they're here to do their job, even if they're exiled to be there. But said this guy just wanders up in the middle of a damn snowstorm, freezing to death. Seemingly, they pull him in. They put him in a bath. They try to desperately warm him up. They're kind of amazed that he's okay. Like, he doesn't have frostbite. He's not actively dying, seemingly, if he looks rather starved. And they kind of play the waiting game of, will he wake up? When will he wake up? You mean he seems ravenous? No, they don't know that yet, but maybe, sure. Um, and, you know, he wakes up the next day, and he has a story to tell. He does, he does. Quite, BJ brings up a good question. Do they ever use the name? Do they ever say the word ravenous in the movie? I don't think so. No. They work around the margins of it. They're, I always love when a film does that. I always like when they hit you with the name of the film. The role the, credits. In the film. dialogue. I like it. Um, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. he, he has a story to tell. He, uh, he, he uh, was was part of a party that was that was going from, well, first of all, um, he, had, he had tuberculosis. Um, he was a sickly child, a sickly man. He did um, and and he was he was trying to go out west to get some of that good air because the humors were bad uh, in, 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 in the east, I guess. Um, so he's on this wagon train heading out. Uh, he's got a, uh, uh, what was it? A wife, wife and a husband, a slave, him, uh, and a colonel and a, and a colonel. Um, so they're all, they're all heading out that way. The colonel's a, little, a bit, a bit, uh, a bit stoneheaded, uh, leads them in a bad direction. They get, they get pinned down, um, in the mountains of some sort, presumably the Sierra, Sierra Nevadas. Uh, so they're, they're, they were sort of nearby to, to Fort Stewart, um, or Spencer. Um, and, they end up uh, eating each other. Uh, it, it happens slowly at first, of course. And of course, Calhoun was, was, was not involved in any of this. He was out foraging for wood and he came back. And then suddenly they had decided to cook the person who had recently expired. Um, and things got out of hand and Calhoun had no part in any of this. He was merely a passive observer. While yes, he did eat a little bit, um, he was starving and he hmm. didn't intentionally kill anyone. He just received the benefit of it, um, which is all really sketchy, by the way, if you hear that. It, you know, some it, sort of situation happens when, when a person absolves all blame, you know, something's up. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- so they 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 describe that. And he, he ends, ends on the note of, of saying he doesn't know if if Colonel Ives uh, and 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 the wife, I, f- I forget her name, is Martha or something. Sure. Um, some sort of like generically old person name. Um he, he left Martha there with Colonel Ives and he doesn't know their fate, uh, yeah. which is, which is the, the actionable event, which Spencer was calling out early, which is uh, why um, Colonel Hart uh, says, we need to, we need to go out. We need to go out to make sure that they're safe. And, and, and that was actually a little bit of a surprise there, Spencer. Um, but they said, you know what, I, we're going to trek for three days on the off chance that this person is still alive, um, which kudos to them taking their yeah, job mm-hmm. very seriously. 
And no one second guesses him either. When, when you know, the colonel says we're going out to do this, there's a brief discussion of well, why. It's like, it's our job. And then that's kind of the end of the discussion. They're yeah. soldiers, whatever else they may be. And well, one of them's a really excited soldier and is like, yes, we get to do things. <laughs> yeah. In terms of early funny scenes in this film, that introduction of the characters with the quick cuts between them is legitimately funny. Of yeah. Where they just... We get we have Colonel Hart describing each of the guys that's at this fort like little one second descriptions, and as they're quickly just camera jarring between them, like you know drunk guy guy put into a, a fix to a fixed Nikon, and then Neil McDonough just yelling in a creek, <laughs> really funny. Um, but yeah, they, they hike through the wilderness, and as part of this process, we get to see uh, you, we get to see Boyd and you know Calhoun talk for a little bit because. Some of the descriptions Calhoun had of the process of eating meat triggered a bit of a memory in Boyd's mind. So he kind of put up as they're walking, which some beautiful sweeping shots of them of the of Northern California. Some great, some great film work done here for a low-budget film. And some wonderful music, like you know, Levine's for these kind of sweeping, you know, scenic shots. Uh, Boyd and Calhoun are talking a little bit, and Cal Boyd just kind of asks him, So when, when you're eating meat, um, did you feel like really kind of like energized after it happened or anything else. And Calhoun kind of replies in the affirmative. Right? It starts what is going to be a run of him using vaguely sexual descriptions for how he feels after it happened. Mm -hmm. oh boy, that, that is a, a, a big theme in this film I'd forgotten about from first time watching it, that this has made really all kinds of sexual and particularly homosexual in terms of how they describe and go about a lot of this. This is a surprisingly homoerotic film. Uh, and I really started with the naked man in a stream kind of like this is like the first like uh introduction that you get so mm -hmm. yeah so so that scene spencer by the way that that is one where 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 the 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 experience that comes with getting older um really bring brings questions to your mind when, when you watch movies like this so um as spencer's describing they're 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 walking over mountains they're they're hiking they're trekking to try to go go to this place where 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 colonel ives and 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 let's call her martha mm -hmm. um are at um they hike, hike the camp overnight um during this one of the characters falls and and, and hurts himself gets a little bit of a gut wound uh, which, mm -hmm. which bj finds a little offensive but fair enough um and then then overnight uh they wake up to calhoun um uh, seemingly licking um the the open wound um on on the priest now that is a bit of a you know sort of silly scene um you know it's, it's sort of trying to be silly and weird and, and, and set the tone this is, a, this is a weird movie as an adult you know we're all hanging out on a on a new year's one of us falls you know scuffs up our knee um you wake up and you and you got someone licking your licking that blood off your knee um what what happens there because that is I, that's otherworldly weird like i don't even know how i'd process that event god damn it how what the fuck are you doing <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. It would be just so outside of any kind of experience I've had before, any just kind of expectation, I'd kind of just go blue screen with it. Kind of similar to what they do here, where they just don't have any way of conceptualizing, what are you doing and why? Yeah, but I will say his explanation kind of make, like makes a little bit of sense because I was dreaming like like he when he he kind of sold me a little bit when he got confronted about what happened but just also from a, just a fun plot standpoint with respect to that knowing what we then know a little bit later that he's purposely lulling these guys into a trap to murder them why does he do this then why does he you know in some way raise their hackles with respect to him is it that he legitimately couldn't control himself or is That's this in some guess, way factoring yeah. into his plan or or next level he's thinking this compels them to take um 
action on him and keep him outside of the cave and have the other two strong soldiers go in. You got these two sort of like actual soldiers go in and they have the sort of B squad stand outside, uh, which he can easily take down, take take them out. The only real um, real risk there is that 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 Indian fella, um, and and he gets dispatched pretty quickly. Otherwise, he's got this little bitch ass um, uh, preacher guy uh, and and uh, the you know, Colonel Hart. Colonel Hart. Yeah. Yep. I'm 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 actually with you there, Levi. How controlled and tactical we see this guy be in the future, with what seemingly is a very long-term plan he's in place. This seemed like it was part of the, the of what he was putting in works. But who's to say? Now it's it's unreasonable to expect that he could, he could see see that response. Like this is part of the sort of movie magic that people are just suddenly smarter when they're they're in movies. But I'm with you. I, I thought it was intentional, but it also was just a jarring scene that like I I, I can I can guarantee I would not respond in an elegant way if I was put in that situation. Like there's there's no way for you to rationalize and put this in, into some sort of context that makes any sense to you because we just don't eat people, right? That that's not a thing that happens. So we don't expect it. Have have contingency plans for it. And, and it's particularly yeah. jarring for us the audience where it's the it's the first moment that really tells us what this film is going to be because previously this just came across as being like a weird period piece drama with a, with an odd kind of you know the heroes go and defeat the cannibals kind of thing this is one of the first moments of oh what is this film actually well the, i mean there was a little bit of like the blood drinking in the cart scene that it like it was not a okay like we know what this is going to be uh but yeah this is like a further you know Slope. veering into the other lane we, we've got that we've got the weird scene with the stakes we've got the introduction of the wendigo myth it's kind of like a slow build to what is this film actually going to tell us to talk to us about but i'm I, i'm with you uh spencer this is a uniquely weird thing right i mean yeah. sh showing a person drinking some blood when they're on a pile of bodies in war that that is an odd choice that's not typically something that's shown but the idea that you would that someone over the history of mankind would have consumed a little bit of blood when they're in a pile of dead bodies not unusual right sure, yeah. I mean, things, fair enough but things like, are brutal it, it's, Show, it's showing it is an exactly. odd choice um but i'm saying that putting the sound in of like the lapping of the blood that you know that's a sure commitment. sure 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 i i agree but it, it, it adds also just the fact that the, you know, they get that sound of the lapping of the blood and then when they confront him, he's got the blood kind of like dribbling out of the edge of his mouth. It's again, mixing in the weird kind of sexual imagery they always want to have at play when it comes to this process of eating on another person. But go ahead. So, okay, so so they, 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 they tie up Calhoun, uh, put him, put him in, in a bondage, which, which, you know, a little bit sexy if you ask me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they they keep going to this cave now now they obviously they, they jump cut a little bit because they described it as like a three or four day walk but we only, only really see one day in between but they they eventually make it make their way to this uh to, to this cave um Calhoun starts acting a little bit weird which, which they all interpret as being post-traumatic stress or some sort of reaction to to the event of being there um they send the two two main soldiers in there the two, two real soldiers guy guy pierce um as, as john boyd and then uh Private Reich, which is the sort of uber soldier, the, the this is the hoorah motherfucker uh, who who just wants to just wants to kill and 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 adventure. Mm -hmm. um, they they make their way into into the cave. Calhoun starts acting a little bit oddly, and and I will say that Calhoun acting very oddly in this scene is possibly one of the most scary things that I've seen in movies. It's not like shockingly, it's not jump cut scary, it's not gore scary, but in terms of creepiness. Robert Carlyle does a great job of being super creepy. Um, he starts like panting, you know, he's panting and, and, and vocalizing with his breath um, in, a, in a weird way that is almost animalistic. Animalistic is a good way of describing it. I, I love when he's just seemingly randomly digging in the dirt off in the corner or whatever else, which just seems like he's com gotten completely unhinged from reality and he sells so, it well. 
Yeah, to me, that was like, I thought he had buried weapons. Well, and then when... He did like, bury a knife, right? Uh, yeah, but yes. like it wasn't immediately unart. Like, yeah. for, for a second, it was just like, oh, like he has a bunch of guns or something like that. And then it's just like, wait, is he just digging like a dog? Like, wh- like this isn't... Like, he's just like, you know, kneeling down and just like moving, moving dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's sort of like, yeah, as you said, animalistic, but like a bit crazed. Mm-hmm. It's unhinged. And our two soldiers, which it's, it's weird. It's weird to pair Reich and Boyd because they're they're both their most soldier guys they have, but they could not be more different kind of, of dudes to the point that Reich just outright kind of disdains even being paired with Boyd just because of their, he views him as a coward. That's probably not necessarily an inaccurate read on him. Yeah. But they go in there and, you know, they explore this kind of cannibals larder kind of thing of just bodies strung up all over the place and uh, they, acid. I was going to say that's the next, not quite jump scare and like, I guess I sort of knew that it was coming because, uh, but I don't know that I would have known it was coming had I like not read or like know nothing about the movie um, because like they're exploring and like there's just nothing there and it's sort of a surprise. And then like they look up with like the lantern that they have and it's just like uh, meat on hooks kind of deal. Well, I mean, I, I, I hear you, BJ, but they, they, they descend into the cannibal's lair and then go down a hole uh, into some, 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 some weird little... Like, Wouldn't like, pay me to go down there. Yeah, yeah. Th- like, it, as a person who's, who's seen uh, enough horror movies, like, the context for me is, like, that's the place where the jump cut, the jump horror, the sort of shocking reveal is going to happen because right. that's exactly where that would happen in real life. And, and to, it, it, paying me to go down there is a, is a risky gambit. Like, I'd, I'd have to yeah. get a significant sum of money to go down into the cannibal, <laughs> the, the, the hole in the ground in the cannibal's lair. Right. I guess I just, fair. like, I didn't think that it would be, like, meat on tender hooks kind of thing as opposed to, like, just bodies on the ground. Well, it, it, practically speaking, it's just kind of wasteful. You'd use the bones for a nice stew or something. You'd break the marrow. <laughs> just holding up all the bones like, you know, you're, like, like you're stringing up cattle for bleeding. That, that just seems like a waste. But it makes for a good visual. Yes. Uh, and what they rapidly discovered to their horror is the assets are very neatly piled at the bottom of each skeleton. And, huh, there's, a, there's an extra body here. And, oh, is that a Union uniform sitting right there with a sword next to it, too? <laughs> they realized to their horror that Oh shit, Ives, to the great Ives even existed, is actually out. F- the, the actual cannibal is actually out front right now. Indeed, indeed. And, and Calhoun then proceeds to kill all, kill, um, all of the people out uh, who, who, are, who are guarding them. Kill. Quick, quickly, <laughs> quickly dispatches uh, with, with the Indian, which again is, is the only real defense that they have there. Um, he, he then stabs um, uh, Colonel Hart in the gut mm-hmm. and just just really does a number on him um that's a that's a pretty vicious uh death there he, um he guts him roughly even, even insult injury he gets a freaking tomahawk to the back as well yeah indeed and and then the uh the preacher man um i forget forget the character's name um in any any case he, he's the preacher man who's who's a bit of a bitch um Calhoun just sort of like scares him off um, because the preacher man tries to pull up his gun. The gun, or Calhoun pulls up a gun. Gun doesn't work. Uh, the preacher man thinks that he's he's he somehow survived, which is a very odd. You know, I don't know why he'd be relieved in that situation. That mm-hmm. just means you won't die by bullet. You'll die by knife, which is, it seems like a worse way to go, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Calhoun uh, tells him to run. And then now we get a little bit of of uh, upbeat uh, banjo music that just just plays and just just. <laughs> It shows that we're on a little adventure here. We're just such rocking. a deliverance vibe to that scene. Yeah, we're romping through the woods. 
Levi, we've talked about this before. This is one of the moments of where it took me out of it, just because it's so it's such a weird pairing of kind of moods for this scene. This is a whole, one of the most horror scenes we've had yet in this film. The the murderer has revealed himself. He's just killed several characters that we've rapidly become attached to. He's got a knife out to the guy, and he says, "Run!" And they could have played that as horrific as possible. Instead, the most jaunty banjo tune possible turns on as we go on an exciting little adventure. Would you this prefer is where to Benny Hall? It was it was practically <laughs> Benny Hill. It was practically Benny Hill. Right, Benny Hill, yeah. See, this is where I was thinking of like the the weird Hollywood pitch meeting because they're like you know like it's like most dangerous game mixed with Deliverance. Like it's like so many like th- tropes like blending at one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you take the negative frame, whereas I say like this this is the part where the movie goes from um, a cute story to to possibly the elite of the elite of of movies all time right oh, i mean all right like, like, this, like this it's like no this movie is absurd like you you thought we might have a period piece and we might have some nope this is absurd it's doing too it. much it's doing just, too much no it's it not to be absurd here orson wells uh rolled over in his grave when he when, when when the first when this was first shot and conceived of because he realized oh crap citizen kane's being dethroned <laughs> <laughs> Too far, too far. Uh, also, just I, I, it's, see, it feels unfair to criticize the uh, preacher man's strategy here in terms of running in the opposite direction from the cave. But if that man had ran into the cave, he would have lived. Uh, potentially, yeah. I don't. I mean, I or gotten cooked. The only two guys he knows they're still alive. His only hope of survival are in the cave. But that's a very interesting point there, uh, Spencer. Right? Because like that, that's the that's the traditional horror move, right? Is is run into the place where you shouldn't run, which is a a uh, a cave, uh, a cave with with a single in- entrance and exit. That that's the last place you'd want to go in some respects. But to your point, I think you raise a raise a really really interesting strategy. He probably would have lived then, um, and they would have dispatched with Calhoun. They would they would have gone back, and and it would have just been an addiction story with uh, with Guy Pierce. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, otherwise you're the preacher guy. You're in the middle. You're in the middle of the wilderness, and a guy's got a knife to you. As you noted, Levi, this is not a way of surviving. This is just a different, probably less pleasant way of dying. You don't live by running here. You're not going to get away from it. I mean, and but like his character has like already basically been portrayed as a not very bright rabbit. No, so it's perfectly in keeping of the character. Yeah. He's already injured. He's already portrayed as being a bit of a du- bit of a dumbass, very much flighty and concerned. It's perfectly in keeping that he would just bolt in the opposite direction and do the dumb thing. Mm-hmm. So Calhoun takes off after uh, after our our our, our rabbity priest. Um, the 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 two soldiermen come out of the cave. They they they, they see Colonel Hart uh, gutted. Uh, they see the Indian Indian fella uh, dead. Uh, and they realize, oh crap, it's Calhoun, which they already sort of suspected strongly. At this point, it's like absolutely, we got to go after this guy. Um, they run after the guy for a little bit. Um, Calhoun uh, ends up finding our, our 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 flighty rabbit and guts him, and and seems to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a brunch uh, on on his innards, um, on his guts. A running um, snack, if you will. There you go. Um, you know, he he didn't want to eat the, the heaviest part of part of the body, right? Because that would that would weigh him down and just make it uncomfortable to run run, run even more. Um, so they chase down uh, Boyd. Boyd seems to be a, a a ghost at this point. He seems to have supernatural characteristics because he can appear and then uh, mysteriously get, go away, which is probably one of the weak parts of the movie. Um, this sort of scene on the cliff uh, where they're trying to confront him. Um, eventually, uh, Calhoun. Uh, he throws a, a knife right um, mm-hmm. into into uh, into Private Reich, um, who, who then falls off a cliff uh, down in down in some, some woods. 
Um, and this is the point when John Boyd's character uh, has to make a decision, right? What does he try to do? Does he try to fight or does he try to run? He's, he's, he seems to be a bit of a coward, but he tries to put up a fight. He shoots him. He shoots uh, Calhoun. Um, Calhoun then uh, laughs it off. Uh, seems to get up and is, is now a superhuman. Um, he must have gotten the COVID vaccine pretty early. Um, and at, at that point, uh, John Boyd jumps off uh, the cliff. And this is quite possibly, Terry, I, I think you and I are a simpatico here. That might have been the scary part of the whole entire movie. Like you're just jumping off a cliff and hoping for the best. No good. Uh, yeah. Terrifying. Who does that? I just take my chances. <laughs> Again, the pr- reason he does this is that you shot a guy with a, fr- a freaking musket dead on. The dude should be dead. But he just gets up, laughs it off, and keeps coming at you, seemingly almost giddy at the experience. What so do you should, do against that? At, guy? at this point, like it's like you would rather choose certain death than than jumping off a cliff. Uh, it's not Is that certain death? I don't know. I, maybe I could take him. Could you? Could you? buddy. Um, question, Spencer. Um, and Jump I don't know off the, the cliff answer. will kill you. I know that. <laughs> well, apparently not. Um, so question, Spencer, what's the caliber of a musket? And what's the, if, we're talk- what's the stopping power of a musket? We're talking like a 69 caliber musket ball right there. It's a big, it's a big ass. 69, big, interesting number that you went there with. Yeah, it's nice. That, that was actually standard for like that it. period. My apologies. Could have been a 70 caliber too. It, or 20 it, it, issue. <laughs> um, but like, what's the stopping power, right? Is it, is this a 22? Is this a 45? Is this a 50 cal? Like, like, like well, roughly what is this right it's a, it's a low velocity round but it's a big ass expanding flat bullet it's it's okay. using the dumb dumb round kind of philosophy here a bigger bullet bigger stopping power it it arguably has less kinetic force than it, certainly has less kinetic force than modern rounds but still at that range with that kind of hit you're dropping a dude if it, if it, if it goes into it just because by the, by the time it leaves his body it's going to be you know that big around kind of thing so John Boyd jumps off uh, the, the cliff. He decides that he he, he can't take him. Um, I, I, I think uh, I'd be hard pressed to make that decision, but I understand. Um, I, I think it takes, takes actually some balls to be able to jump off a cliff there uh, because I would be, I would be just, just shitting my pants the entire way down. Um, he, he, he falls through a bunch of limbs and, and miraculously uh, isn't dead um, or even significantly hurt. Yeah, even seriously harmed, uh, really. I thought he had like a compound fracture. He like, had a compound fracture, but if you get a compound fracture jumping off of a hundred foot cliff, I think I think serious sure. there. Uh, I think you've avoided the serious. Yeah, you came out on the good side of, of, of the event. Uh, he, he sort of rolls down a hill, falls into like a bear pit, um, and 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 sort of hides there with with the body of of Major, Major Reich, uh, who is who is is basically who quickly expires. Ends up um, better off than Tiger Woods. I'll, I'll also withdraw myself. If he's actually using a rifle, which I'm not clear from actually looking at it, it probably would have been a 58 caliber rifle during that period. So my apologies. Fix, not fix not that a 69. Detail. Got it. If it, we was, will. If, if it was a smoothbore musket, it would have been higher caliber, but it's, I can't, I have, I have to go back and look and see what it is. I will, we'll accept your apology, Spencer. Um, I appreciate I think, it. I thank you for having intellectual <laughs> honesty there. Uh, uh, Calhoun, uh, gets down somehow um i i'm assuming he just jumps and lands on his feet like he's like he's freaking iron man or something um and just like lands there and then just like surveys the area apparently he has superhuman um strength and, and recovery but doesn't have superhuman smell because he can't quite smell the the compound fractured opens open wound um in, mm-hmm. in john boyden's leg um Le- this is a weird thing to say in this film least realistic moment i feel i almost i almost was willing to write off that he was intentionally leaving him alive for future use which may factor in the kind of the weird relationship they have later 
just because I, I don't know how friends. he wouldn't. Point, Spencer. I, that was how I interpreted that scene, just because I don't buy that he wouldn't know that he was there. Yeah, you raise a very good point, Spencer. It, it may be part of his, his cunning plan to 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 build out a, a, a cabal of of cannibals um, up in the Sierra Nevadas. Good uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really smart, man. I, I <laughs> Big brains for a lot of things. Went to a good university, uh, but yeah. So 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 Boyd chills overnight. Gets a little, little cold. Um, his legs all screwed up. Got a compound fracture. He ends up just you know gnawing a little bit of of, of Colonel Reich. He sort of goes back to to the olden days where where, where he's back in the Mexican American War and realizes he needs a bit of a bit of energy, man. You know, it's like you're hungry. You eat a little beef jerky. You feel feel empowered. So he decides to eat a little bit of Colonel Reich uh, and 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 ups that recovery um, and heals a compound fracture, which I felt. Honestly, it was a bit bit ridiculous. I think maybe take a day or two. Yeah, because at this point, they haven't explained the healing power of how this thing works yet. And so it, it either makes you think that he was there a long damn time, which I don't think we really are maximum like a few days or a week kind of thing. I think feel like he's there. Yeah. Or he's soldiering through a hell of a lot of pain to just hike across the, the wilderness to get back to base. Wow. We don't know about the healing power yet. Well, we can assume can we? We have no frame of reference to know that, you know. So, some dude just got shot in the shoulder and was just like, okay, let's go. We know about resilience. We don't necessarily know he heals yet. That's meant to be a bit of a surprise later when they, you know, reveal the shoulder kind of thing. Yeah, Spencer. We can, um, we can interpret, but we don't know yet. So Captain John Boyd um, has has a l- little bit of uh, a private Reich beef jerky. Um, he'll, he heals <laughs> he himself full- up with. He fillets his leg, which is a really gross way about doing it too. If you just get the knife and starts cutting a square out of the guy's leg, do it. I don't know how to go about cannibalism, but that's a rough way of going about. Not it. a butcher, that guy. Leave him, leave him. That's not a. That's not a good way to, to skin a bone. Now. I mean, but no, we did get. Me. We did get that like previous scene of like he's being sent out into the wilderness. He is a city soldier up until yeah. like this point. So point. Yeah, he's, he's never 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 broken an animal down before. Nope. Indeed, indeed, makes his way back, back, back to Fort Spencer, um, uh, which is it, it has has recently gotten back the David Arquette character uh, who went off to, to fetch supplies, um, and and the the probably the the the, the best character in the movie, um, that Indian lady. I thought I thought she was awesome. I thought I thought she thought she was the best character uh, on the show. Uh, but the, but they're there uh, along with the the drunk doctor um, and 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 Colonel Boyd. Uh, tells this tale of 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 how Calhoun is actually a cannibal. Um, everyone doesn't quite believe him. I think it's, it, it's a little unbelievable. Um, Martha kind of. She's a weird character to read about whether she, what degree she believes or trusts him or not. Yeah, yeah. She's got that very stoic Indian face, right? Of, of like, she's not quite given all of her emotions. But I, she, I'm with you that she 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 implies that she thinks maybe. But she maybe. also is the one that like came out with the Wendigo earlier on i believe well Correct. it was it was it was a brother george that was one of like he's been keeping okay. a little bit of buckskin but yeah notably it's a, it's a very interesting scene of where boyd goes and talks to her uh it was one of the few people he talked with separately basically to say i didn't kill your brother i'm sorry this happened but we need to be aware of what's going on and she is one of the ones that clues him into how the wendigo works which kind of implies that she's on the same page as him she's just playing really close to the vest with what she knows or what how much she's going to be involved in this which I think ultimately keeps her alive where most everybody else dies. So they're back at base um, and they ended up sending off for, for, for Leo McGarry uh, to, try to try to try to bring a bit of sanity to the, the whole situation. They bring Leo McGarry um, and he, and he brings a new, um, a new commander for the fort. 
um, the aforementioned uh, Colonel Ives, um, which, uh, according to, you know to those of us who who've watched the movie, is 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 Calhoun. Um, so mm-hmm. we we now have uh, a person who we don't know the truth of who he is. Uh, he could have been Colonel Ives. He could be Calhoun. Who knows at this point? Um, he's got a little. He's got a nice little accent, man. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you, you know. I mean, we're learning there that 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 uh, the army of the uh, of the 1840s um, they were pretty open open to to, ha- to having Scots apparently uh, just 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 yeah take over official capacity because he's got a bit of an accent there. Yeah. Um, and and surprisingly, like well done hair like this is like a completely different like very put together mm-hmm. um he's primmed by re- reminiscent of uh spencer during our our uh chat a couple weeks ago for the uh oh, me briefly dressing up not yeah. never gonna happen again <laughs> oh oh he's definitely like the homosexuals that like the conservative christians warn you about right like he, he's he's the he's the slick guy who's gonna he's gonna he's gonna entrance you uh, and turn you out I, I love your way of describing that too, because it completes this kind of what really starts to feel like an like an interview with a vampire kind of feel going on here, of where these become these really kind of cultured eaters of people that we start interacting with from here on out. Yeah, at this point we've got like cultured uh, uh, Colonel Eyes, and then we uh, we'll get to another person that comes back who also is quite cultured. Uh, so John Boyd is not particularly um, taking it well that 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 the cannibal is now uh, his commander. Um, he sort of faints. Um, he I, I think maybe they need to. He, he just has bad humors. Then you take him outside and get a little fresh air. Um, the, the, the commanders, uh, so, so uh, uh, Leah McGarry um, and co, they don't entirely believe him. Um, and but and he, he already but knows that like this dude's a coward. And so just like, really, like you have another thing going on. Like you're kind of full of shit. But they humor him. Yeah, I love him. that they do. I love that they actually investigate it. Because it would have been so easy for them to say, oh, you're nuts. I'm not going to look into this. But I love they go through the steps of actually checking. That's such a weird thing to see in a horror movie, to see people actually go, I don't believe you, but why wouldn't we just look? Yeah, like you're saying his shoulder was shot? Like, let's look at his shoulders. Like, we'll find out real quick. Also, there's nothing to check. So that's... The- that's the main scene, right? That that, that um, the story goes that 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 he was shot uh, by by Major Reich. So uh, they they come up with the, the the working theory that if he was shot, he would clearly have a scar of some sort. Um, Perfectly reasonable. So, so why don't we disrobe um, in a very sexual way? Um, disrobe and 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 look at the shoulders. He reveals his his su- supple shoulders. Um, that's a man, by the way, is not like getting enough protein and like working out. Like he's he's he, he, he's a little sickly, if you ask me. Um, but they they look at the shoulders. It's it's a big to do. He you know, Ives pulls pulls the wrong shoulder down, reveals the wrong shoulder, and then is told to do the other one, which of course increases the tension. Uh, that's a bit hacky. Um, but he doesn't have a bullet wound. Um, he's got got perfectly porcelain shoulders. Um, in which case, uh, they tell Colonel Board uh, to to suck it up and stop being a little bitch. Uh, and Colonel Ives is now the commander of this fort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and very like. I have my eyes on you. You already fucked up once, and this is your fuck up place. You can't keep doing this. Yeah. So General and Co. peace out, and we get this interesting bit of tension now between two characters that know each other perfectly. And we get a pretty quick, like, remarkably honest conversation between the two on that subject. I was kind of wondering how long they were going to bury the lead on that, but no. Like, the next day, they have a little talk outside while you smoke, and it's like, yep, I'm a cannibal. I got a plan. Hey, how about you? How about you join me? 
I will say the scene where um, Boyd is trying to not fall asleep in 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 the around the fire um, mm-hmm. and 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 falls asleep and 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 Calhoun slash Ives closes the book and it star- startles him. I thought that was actually a really interesting scene. Like I it, like I, I was empathetic to a person who is just utterly exhausted, who's been through hell, um, mm-hmm. is trying to stay engaged but is falling asleep but it is it, working against this creepy menace that is is just superhuman in many respects i thought that was a really interesting scene um yeah it's, it's one of the things that were particularly when i first watched this film i really couldn't i didn't really appreciate boyd he's always this kind of standoffish character he's very inter- he's very internal doesn't express himself much partly because he's just wrapped up in his own emotions Rewatching it now seeing what he's going through i sympathize with him a lot more and understand more what he's going through this time around where he's a very different kind of character for this kind of protagonist he's a a weird a weirdly um passive kind of character for this kind of you know protagonist around this kind of film but i buy it a lot more and it really makes me appreciate more of the arc that he goes through like you said going through the sheer amount of tension of you're the only one that knows that this guy's aiming to kill and eat us all what so the hell do you do with that? There does seem to be like this slight communication of that because like they weren't the only two people in the room, as I remember, and like uh, everybody was everybody was there, kind of wary. It was like, the li- it, it was the living room. Yeah, uh, um, I think it's a den actually. Uh, we debate this. <laughs> um, in, in any case, uh, Calhoun uh, reveals his plan, and hey, that I I actually want to create a a. a, a um, a home for us cannibals because it's hard to have friends when you're a cannibal and we've got all of these damn these 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 capitalistic americans trying to trying to head over to california for the gold rush we'll just pick a couple off every once in a while we'll do enough to do to do well and not enough to raise raise a ruckus um but we'll just you know just trim the herd a little bit um and he's not taunting him with this either he's trying to recruit him because he's got a read on boyd here boyd never directly told him what happened but Calhoun's kind of, you know, thought it out, particularly since he also apparently found Reich and found that Reich had been gnawed on a bit, too. Like, and it was so wasteful. He only, you know, left it, most of most of Reich, you know, to just be eaten by the wild. Well, BJ, he was a bit tough, like any good shoulder should be. He did <laughs> my wasted food. It's very consistent about this. Ways not, want not. This, uh, <laughs> we, 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 good, good callback, by the way. Um, the, the the overlay of Ben Franklin quotes uh, during all of this is is really special. It we really get to you know it's been it, we've been, this has been building for a while, but this scene really just starts to just make it front and center. The kind of weird temptation relationship that starts that that is developed between mm-hmm. Boyd and Calhoun or Boyd and Ives. We have no he's he's both one and the same. Of where Boyd briefly fights back, he cuts like I think it's Calhoun's hand or something. And Calhoun uses it to like try to leer him in. Like you remember this? It's like it's described in one review watch. It's like it's a, it's a it's a guy who's trying to push drugs on him, but it's mm-hmm. also intensely kind of homoerotic, homosexual too. If we're suck on me, please come join me right now. And Boyd resists, but it's a hard sell for him. We have uh, Calhoun, who who is who is clearly um, going to make a little a little home for for, for his cannibal uh, clan. Um, we end up having um, Martha, right? No, 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 no. It wasn't Martha. It was uh, the the uh, David Arquette character. He's the one that ultimately was killed. Um, they can't find him. He's killed. He's 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 put on spikes on the roof, apparently, which is like a really odd way to treat, treat your meat. Um, it's the most slasher moment of the film, and I didn't particularly like it. Correct. Like- yep. 
so they 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 have David Arquette's character sort of strung up on the roof. Um, he's clearly not being blood pouring blood's, down Martha's yeah, face. Blood's pouring down Martha's face. Um, they of course want to 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 litigate who did this. Um, that's an obvious question. Um, mm-hmm. Who killed this person? Uh, Boyd uh, blames Colonel Ives. Colonel Ives blames implies that it's Boyd because he's being a little sketch. Um, and then we get the big reveal. Big reveal, uh, which is our, our 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 previously mentioned Colonel Hart, which was which which was cut in the gut, and Spencer putting air quotes around killed. He in fact is not dead. Uh, he was he was nursed back to life. And notably, um, Ives killed also all of their animals and all of their horses, and so Martha has to go on foot to go get help. And so Martha yeah. exits stage left wisely, volunteering to do that. Correct, correct. So horses are killed. Uh, David Arquette's character is killed. Uh, we get the reveal back that we have Colonel Hart back, uh, and he was nursed back to health um, by by Ives. And now they've got a little a, a little clan of cannibals um, that are just just sitting around there, just 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 having a good old time, all out in the open. It's it's fantastic. So now we have this culture elite. We have a person who wants to translate Aristotle from the original Greek in, into English. We've got Calhoun, who is the um, fantastically. Very mm-hmm. erudite um, uh, cannibal. Uh, we've got the drunk uh, doctor who's still still around. Um, one of the, the sort of camp, campiest lines there uh, is 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 Ives making a, a stew. Um, the drunk doctor asked if he can help, and and, yeah. and Ives says, uh, "Perhaps later you can contribute um, mm-hmm. in some way," um, which hmm. we all see and say that seems like a, a the, the worst choice for 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 consuming eh? that that meat is terrible um it's, it's got a nice little bourbon soaked effect you know it could be nice i'm just saying it, it he was probably not eating a lot of the offal there but yeah more more, more in the, the the meats he wasn't taking care of himself he wasn't even working out that well like it, it just is not a probably more intramuscular fat i mean you don't you don't want that tough and stringy i mean for a stew it's fine i make but... a stew i was actually thinking yeah what, stew, what? stew meat one thing I appreciate with the reintroduction of both of these characters is the implication that uh, cannibalism has apparently has a profound moisturizing effect. Because man, the skin on these two is just radiant after we see them return yeah. after just going full cannibal. Like he, he looks way better than he did before. What well, notably, I think I've even Spot said that Jeffrey Jeffrey Jones they they did a good job with his makeup. He looks like ten years younger now that yeah. he's actually come back. Now that he's gone full cannibal. This is a profound health effect on you, apparently. Invigorating. Uh, invigorating indeed um at this point uh uh captain boyd has to determine um how he's going to going to dispatch with these cannibals um he can't let them live um he he wants to be the honorable man uh and so he ends up coming up hashing up a plan where he kills um colonel hart well one little thing to leave him there is that they want they want to recruit him because you know it's lonely being a cannibal as they just straight up say great line um Hard to make friends. You know, lonely being cannibal, hard, hard to make friends. They want to recruit him, and the way of encouraging him is they gut him. They basically just set him down in a very memorable scene with the music just building around him before they're all around the fire, having their you know interview with a vampire moment, drinking nice wine, they're eating a fresh stew. It's, it's placed as a temptation in front of him where he's got a bowl of drunk major stew that if he eats that, he lives, but he has a choice, and they want to give him a choice, and which is you know factoring the kind of vampire lawyer thing, but it has to be ultimately your choice. Indeed, indeed. Good, good call out that I missed there. So, so Colonel Boyd ends up uh, eating that, right? So, so he consumes a bit of the flesh, gets a bit, bit reinvigorated, um, you know, gets rid of the, hum- the the poor health that he was he was feeling there. It's um, those humors, man. Those humors—they just fuck with you. 
I'm saying he he was looking pretty good, um, looking pretty good. Um, but he's trying to figure out a way to way to kill these guys. Um, ends up gutting um, Colonel Hart. Just 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 kills him pretty straightforwardly. Um, Voluntarily he, on Hart's part. Yeah, he he wants to die, but it's a mercy killing. Yeah, uh, although he uses like a sigh, like like he's 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 Raphael. <laughs> um, I I I. I that was a part, by the way, BJ, that that I I saw and was like, <laughs> "There's no way that was uh, that was the weapon that was available to him." Like he's suddenly a ninja at this point. Like what what are we doing here? I mean, I think it's supposed to be a dagger that that has a more impressive guard than than like really a straight up side. That, is, that but, is straight up a Raphael side, and I agree. It just took me out of it. It's like, why the fuck is that on base? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The the uh, anyway. Um, Props department only had so much; they had to reuse things. Fair enough. This is a low budget movie. I, I, I think the budget uh, was 12 million or so, um, 10, 10, 12 well, million. It's interesting. You threw that out there. I was going to, I didn't know if you guys had seen that. I was going to ask around if people, what they thought the budget was. Cause um, I, again, I like the movie. Uh, I would have maybe gone lower. I would have maybe really it was a what? little less than 12 million. Well, 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 yeah. just, just even the film quality looks lower budget. It looks, yeah. I, don't, I, don't if it, I don't know if it was intentionally done. It's possible, but it has a distinct kind of like low budget handheld film grain that's constantly going on. It may just be an intentional artistic choice, but yeah. it makes it seem cheaper. Yeah, I just wouldn't have thought it got 12 million. Um, the the reason why I would have gone to at least 10, right, is, is, is because the the scenes were clearly shot on location, right? Like mm-hmm. that is not a soundstage in, in Burbank. Um, and, and it gets expensive at that point. Um, you know, they got reasonable actors and like, you know, reasonable crew. Like it yeah. probably took a while. Like I probably would have even said like 20, 30. You can but, see where you can see ooh. where they put the money. And I, I agree, yeah. particularly the filming on location. They don't, that, that's a hard sell to even do nowadays for a film of that kind of budget, just because of how expensive and difficult that is, particularly since mm-hmm. they appear to be filming in the middle of the damn winter too. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was actual snow. That was not a soundstage. Yeah. No, uh, it, it may have been at, accentuated um, here or there when they, they didn't have accommodating snowfalls. Um, but that, that wasn't like fake. Um, that was, that was legit. I, I, I love that little just, you know, you can just tell it's real of when people breathe out during the middle of a scene that's in the winter and there's the mist effect of their breath. It's like, yeah, they're actually cold. Yeah, I don't I, mean to belabor the point, but like 50 grand to a rancher and there you got that you got your set. So I don't know about 12 million guys, but OK, I mean, you know, it was 12 million, you know, so okay. it was. But Colonel, uh, Colonel Hart is killed off voluntary ish and yes, mm-hmm. dot, you know, make it clean, make it quick is not either of those things but Boyd's not that used to used to killing people sure and then we get the kind of battle of cannibals that wraps up the last like 15 minutes ish of this film it's a long prolonged fight so so before we go into this too hard so levi this fight scene or king kong versus godzilla like which was a better back and forth don't do that to levi that's not fair because he's already staked his claim that this is the best movie ever now he's gonna be forced into a silly answer you got to push him now man this is (laughs) this is a testing of where his heart truly lies rude a uh (laughs) and b i i look we have to pick the fight of king kong uh and godzilla um i would take this fight over the first fight uh the the fight on on in the ocean on, the, on top of the tankers. I thought the yeah. first flight uh, that they had there was pretty, pretty much weak sauce. Um, the second and third Super fights awesome. that they had uh, were, 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 were better than this one. So again, it's net probably King Kong and Godzilla, mm-hmm. but we got, you know, we're, 
It beats some it. of them. The one with the ultimate boss, A plus, though, gotta say. Um, so I, I wanted and uh mention, and this was also in the review that I sent around that um we didn't get as much of this in the earlier sort of fight scenes a little bit, but this is like a, a much realer, you know, they're getting tired quickly. The damage that they do to each other, like has some effect, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a very uh, Hollywood movie fight scene. Correct. And, that, and that's what I appreciate about it. Right. Is it, it's, it's a bit too long. Right. Um, I, I, I will agree with you there. It's a, it's a bit belabored, but it's trying to make a point. And it's ultimately like one of the one of the realer fights of in Hollywood. Right. Typically mm-hmm. people get punched in the face and, and, and nary a, a red, a, a red inflammation, a, a, yeah. a little bit of a mark. Um, these people are making you know, damaging each other, getting exhausted. They're they're fighting um, just just and they're fighting for their life ultimately right mm-hmm. and, and 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 it shows that they're they're giving every ounce of exertion that they have they're leaving it all in the field right you know they're yeah. they're they're true football players um it's also the call it's not the climax of the movie right like I oh mean, yeah so anytime anytime you're reaching like the sort of apex of a movie you got to give them a little space to be a little, well, uh, a little i mean i think a little bit later when they're wrapped up with each other would be the climax of the movie but but i agree with you that like this is the point that the fact we keep repeating the word climax too is so weirdly appropriate for this fight because when i was watching with bridget she had the perfect summary at one point when the two of them have just cut each other their shit they're bleeding all over each other they're in the place where ultimately they're going to be wrapped up in each other's arms and robert carlisle just fixes this just kind of leering hungry look at you know guy pierce that bridget summarized it are they trying to kill each other or kiss? I'm not sure anymore. And I, I'm right there with you, dear. I don't know. I'm not sure they know exactly right now. Little yep. tension. Little tension. No, but I mean, you, you raise a good point, right? Like, I, I, I really love the Marvel movies. I, th- I think they're enjoyable um, from, from an action standpoint. But the fights have no, no stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Every, everyone no survives. Um, there's, there's, there's no consequence really for, 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 for most of the folks in the fight. It's, it's, it's a comic book, right? Um, right. Whereas this is like every move has consequence. Um, there is a person's okay. going to live okay. with the consequence uh, for, for some time, or at least until they have their next meal. Um, yeah. And so actually like power up yep. <laughs> that, that, that is something that I really appreciate. And, it, and it's also fairly uncommon in any media, like not just Marvel, like, but books as well. Um, there's a there's a series of books that I quite enjoyed where fights have consequences like you know somebody that got hurt earlier in the book is is still like limping mm-hmm. or you know is still you know just having a really rough time and and that like, that like it's a style yeah. to choose but like yeah. it's an enjoyable realism when they go with it I agree it's, it's one thing I appreciate like say uh, like the Mad Max movies of where you know Spoilers if you guys have never seen him, but Max breaks his leg near the end of the first film. And then for every film thereafter, his leg is in a brace and it's a slow evolution of how much he's limping in each of the scenes you see him in for like over the course of several different movies. And part of the reason is that the director writer was a, was a doctor in earlier in his career. And so he had to be authentic about working that kind of thing in it. But no, if you suffer a compound fracture of your leg, that's something that's going to stay with you for a long time if you don't seek proper medical health, assuming it ever even properly heals. So. Because you're mm-hmm. I love that kind of touch of authenticity. But Levi, one of the things you mentioned about, you know, the weight of the fights and, you know, the, the fights having meaning. I love that and it's particularly apparent in like the earlier fight scenes of like when Ives first reveals himself, that we don't get the classic Hollywood fight scene. That when Ives first, you know, kills everybody off, it's quick, it's intense, and it's done. I feel like if this was done more Hollywood-ish. We would have gotten like a five minute fight scene between Ives and the Native American of just these ridiculous kind of moves, whatever else. 
Instead, we only kind of built that at the end. And even as we said, it's a little bit long, but it's still, it still feels much more weighty and much more earned as they, as they go into it. It doesn't feel as typically Hollywood. Yeah. I, some of those, those scenes did feel a little like, uh, or the earlier fight scene felt a little bit more like hero against henchmen, Hollywood, whereas <laughs> like this one less so. This, this is the battle of heroes kind of moment to a certain degree. Yeah. And it, it ends with Boyd very cleverly kind of purposely trapping them in this. Is this a bear trap or is this for like catching bison? Because this thing is the largest bear, bear trap bear I've trap. ever seen. It's bear trap. Bear um, trap or, or large game trap. Right? This, yeah. this massive, yeah. massive trap. That, bear that, traps that, are big. Yeah. And, and it, 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 it snares them. And then and then Calhoun makes makes the comment of, you know, if, I, if you die first, I'm going to eat you, right? Um, if I die first. Will you eat me? Question mark, question mark. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out Calhoun expires first. Um, and, and Boyd just lays there. Um, in, it wrapped in, wrapped in the arms of, uh, of, of his lover. Doesn't um, do it. Doesn't do it. He, he does not do it. Martha comes around, sees them there. Um, after you know the 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 rescue party comes, so we've got uh, Leo McGarry wandering through the through the through the camp. We have Martha who sees this, uh, who just sees this, and then closes the door and is just like, "I'll I'll, I'll leave that be. Um, I'm not going to touch any of this. I'm not going to call this to anyone's attention. Yeah, let them it's let like, them die. I'm not really sure why I'm here to begin with, and this is this is not my what? circus and not my monkeys. Like, no way. She makes the smartest character choice like I've ever reference. seen. <laughs> she makes the smartest character choice i've ever seen a horror character make in a film of where she just leaves it's like she sees this she knows enough of what's going yeah. on she, yeah, doesn't, come out by she doesn't say a we word. need way more of that in horror movies people just walking in and being like whoop nope she doesn't say a word to anybody either doesn't tell anybody that she's going doesn't tell anybody what she saw doesn't even so like funny. get a horse she rode nope. in on a horse but it's like i don't care i'm gone that's hilarious that's a good point but to a certain degree Ives wins a bit in the end. He doesn't successfully, you know, seduce Boyd. Boyd makes a, a heroic choice really to die rather than be continued to be the monster that he's becoming. But a key part of Ives' plan was to recruit the general to their cause. It was that they were going to set all of this up and then they were going to feed the general this food and make him part of their cause to make this whole plan and operation of theirs work. And here in the end, Leo McGarry, as he's sniffing around, hmm, that's some good stew there. That's some good stew. Let me try a taste. Oh, that's good. Let me make myself a bowl or two. And we don't go any further with that. There's no kind of scare core. There's no setup for a sequel. We just get that kind of insidious moment of, oh, what's that going to be? Yeah. Two thoughts. First one, um, Leah McGarry is the creepiest motherfucker drinking, eating some stew. Like he was so sketch with eating that stew. It's like, you're, you're the big boss here. You can have whatever you want. You can walk on base and just ha have a little bit of their stew. You don't have to act like you're sneaking in a little something, something there. Um, it definitely, Spencer, to your point, it raised the, made it very clear that there's this, this homosexual element uh, going it, it, on here because there's this, this, this it hidden was transgressive. It was, it was, it was like, Oh, no one could know about this kind of thing. It was this weird kind of, I know I'm doing wrong, but I need another bowl. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's also like, a, I don't know why this is wrong per se, but like, as soon as he, he like tasted it, he was just like, Oh, this is wrong, but I need a little bit more. Yeah. In, indeed, indeed. Also, it brings like, I mean, obviously, uh, Liam McGarry inside the West Wing uh, is an alcoholic and, and, a, and, a, and a drug addict. He could just be a cannibal. Like we, we, we don't know uh, whether that's the case or not. Like, hey, it, with those steaks he served to his officers at the start, the man likes some blood red meat wherever he can get it. 
I'm just saying um, it, 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 it brings a new overlay to, to the West wing. Um, so we've, we've gone through the recap. We've, we've given our reactions. Uh, we've given the, the, the reviews. BJ is out on, on the, the corn syrup uh, blood. Uh, Spencer thinks uh, is with me. This is possibly one of the five greatest movies. Um, Not of, going that far. Of, of all go- time. Of all You're, time. Levi, you're trying to recruit me to your cause, your cannibal cause. I'm not going that far. I'm in the bear trap I, with you, but I'm not s- going with you the whole way over. I will say that this is top five of horror movies I've seen. Really? I wouldn't even say that. Interesting. Interesting. I that's haven't seen that many scale. horror movies. So that, that's the other side of that. Oh, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. BJ, are we in a scenario where the last two, the last three horror movies we've shown you are among the like five you've ever seen? It's more than that, but not like many more than Man, that. Man, if I knew this, we wouldn't have given you Megan is Missing and Good Goodnight Mommy is your only no, exposure to the genre, Megan, man. Megan is Missing. Is good. Um, I think, I, BJ, thank you for that disclosure. I mean, I really appreciate you opening up to us. I, at this point, I think we need to like do like a review of horror movies uh, for, for young BJ-san because he, like my God, guy, like seriously, you've watched the, watch the Descent uh 28 days oh. later in, in in terms of like modern horror movies so like, so, like these these are great horror movies i have seen 28 days later that that i guess i didn't classify that as a horror paranormal activity paranormal activity Le- levi how much were you thinking the descent when they were going in that cave and climbing down that hole there in there <laughs> Well, a lot because like I think a lot about the descent. Like the descent is one of those movies that like has no business sticking in my head, like taking up real estate for free. But it it it, it goes to my mind so often. Um, that is a that's a horrifying movie. Um, What's that one where they're just stuck out in the ocean and the whole movie is just them like uh, open capsized. water? Ooh, that one scared the shit out of me too. Open water was that the the late nineties? It was later than that. Uh, the one I'm talking about is it's, it's a couple of rats scuba diving and they're just left by the boat. It's the yeah. two of them just holding each other up. It's based on a true story too, which makes all the more horrifying. Terrifying, yeah. That's one. Yeah, yeah. Another reason no scuba diving, Spencer. Ah, we rack them up on these podcasts. I could take you to beach dive. You don't have to go right straight up to middle of ocean, no points of reference kind of thing. But, but all that being said, BJ, there's there's a catalog out here for you. What? It's almost like when Levi opened up and said he wanted to uh, to learn more white about people white music. people music, we just yeah. barded him. I mean, we hit him with like 50 things all at once. Well, going back to this film before we wrapped up, one, one question I have is that this is a film which is a theme for everybody. It's got like nine, ten different things all going on that are wrapped up in the same package. Is there a particular theme, now that we're looking at this in cold light of day, watch reviews, whatever else, that best resonated with you that's going on in this film? I mean, I go back to, it just made me think about like in the course of human history, why we decided we didn't eat other humans, the decision points of that when it was tested, um, you know, why people stuck with generally stuck with like the, the sort of, no, we won't do it. Um, you know, and, and how that's had implications, like as, as we've gone on and how it, it like the, the, the decisions people have made along the way and all these different societies have made with regards to eating the, the flesh of other humans how that all rolls into how we view it now as this sort of like absolutely super abhorrent thing when like, you know, other, other animals do it all the time. I mean, obviously, you know, we're one of the few animals that like view that as a little problematic, yeah, a problematic thing. So it just made me like, think, like it made me think about cannibalism writ large, which like, you know, shout out to the movie for, for is this know, where that conversation going. Is this where we have like a Spencer uh, slash BJ Wikipedia of the week where we talk about pri- uh, prion diseases and Kuru? Um, as- I, I, I was thinking about yes. bringing that up, but I was just like, eh, 
I, I was going to say, you know, like there are probably a bunch of diseases that like were problematic and are problematic in tribes that did pro, uh, practice cannibalism. Um, but the other thing that I think was probably was a fairly large uh, like taboo against it because uh, just like how we evolved, because like one of the most common forms of cannibalism is, is eating young. And so, I mean, there is the, uh, you know, people have had proposals about this in the past, but, you know, it, it's a... <laughs> the Irish taste especially good, sir. Yeah. You know, if you don't have potatoes, you can use uh, potato babies. But, like, that's sort of, like, the... Uh, I would say in the animal kingdom, probably one of the more common uh, forms of cannibalism and, and animals that do it. And I would probably would say that most people would find that a more abhorrent than uh like just eating an, another adult and my guess is that you know some some of that is like how it evolved and like how much we care for our young compared to other species chimpanzees will eat the the eat other primates uh lower lower primates like uh lower monkeys uh but will not will not eat the flesh of other chimpanzees i mean like how much do they go out on murder sprees though it's usually war That's caused by overly caused by, aggressive scientists caused, caused by life. humans caused by humans stop your, it BJ. those are peaceful BJ. they're peaceful people uh, Levi, you gave me a book literally about them like going to the wild and finding out about these like murder apes that would just like you know these young teenagers would like go in as a group and just like murder some other apes and be like oh this is tasty well, like, I'm, I'm, but, I, I'm making fun of Terry because he's ridiculous. Like they, yeah. they, they are not peaceful creatures. They, they, nature is not peaceful, right? Um, yes, they can be compelled to be more violent in, in certain contexts, but like nature is not a pleasant place. Everyone's not seeing kumbaya. Uh, people are killing, like animals I mean, are killing each other. But my point is, is that they, they will eat other monk, like monkeys that are like smaller monkeys, but they do draw, they seem to draw a line at other chimpanzees. Like, like, so, I mean, for what that's worth, I mean, I don't know. Like well, it's a, it's a thing. Well, I mean, it's common enough in Animal Kingdom. I was watching a special the other day that certain species, their young have evolved to be particularly spice, uh, spiky so that they don't, <laughs> eat, so they don't, they could have done that too, but particularly spiky so that the young don't eat each other when they're in the nest together. So, so they'll, they'll maintain enough of a distance together because if they get too close to each other, their instinct will be to eat each other and the nest will just, you know, devolve into a little cannibal pit. Yeah. But it's, that coming off in certain other species that factors in. And uh, that reviewer he's in RMBJ, he actually has a lot of good other stuff I've seen before. And he has one specifically about cannibalism in the Old West and just how many examples of it we have of where there were a lot of, the Donner Party is one of famous story of, you know, people trapped in the middle of the frozen landscape and eating each other, but it's hardly the only one. We have a lot of well-documented cases of humans in extreme situations. The usual cultural taboos kind of go out the window. The Donner Party? What's that? Uh, Whoa. A, go, go, Google it after this. It's a famous yeah. example of a wagon Shouldn't train. Shouldn't shock you. There's a lot of things I don't know. No, no, no. It's, I, a, it's, the, a, it's a famous example of a wagon train getting caught in the middle of, you know, snow trap mountains kind of thing. And they shade each other. Cannibalism on a yeah. very large scale, like dozens yeah. of people being right. eaten kind of thing. Huge so, I might check that shit out. The reason that I was surprised is um, it was a common go to joke. And a lot of comedian for a lot of comedians, I want to say in like the the 90s, like 80s, 90s, maybe um, where they, you know, make a joke about some people being hungry. And it's like, well, it's not the Donner Party, but like, mm, okay. which is why I thought you might know. 
one thing about this film I particularly liked is all the parallels it's trying to draw between a concept of cannibalism and Western culture. I really mm -hmm. like how much they're emphasizing how much that there are aspects of cannibalism that are just ingrained in our concept of how our culture works. Like there's an early comment on about, you know, oh, you know, clearly they don't do this kind of cannibalism thing anymore. And George the Bergen says, white man eats the body of Jesus every week. Yeah. Uh, and then we get oh lines boy. about- Here we go. Well, then we get comparisons to the idea of manifest destiny and just the consumptive nature of the country. that It's constantly expanding, it's constantly eating. Um, we get, and it's being tied in with one of the most, you know, manifest destiny kind of wars, the Mexican-American war. So I like a lot of those just kind of parallels to the idea of we kind of have assigned a taboo to this to this thing. But let's think about that just the broader idea of just consuming each other, of consuming the world to fuel our own enterprises to make us strong. And think about then how those kind of parallels really exist. The film made me think about those in a fun kind of way that I hadn't really ever done before. What was that that term early on about like uh, when you eat something, you eat the, the human flesh and you like become it when, or you become empowered? Wendigo. Wendigo. Yeah, I listened. So I listened to um, this this yogi named Sekguru, um, who's like very popular. And um, he uh, he he espouses some not like in cannibalism, but he's like, yeah, if you take you partake of like a fruit or like a whatever, it becomes like a part of you and it becomes you. And he wants you to think through like the prism of like, well, whatever you're eating becomes you and like you should care about your diet more or whatever. But um, yeah, similar sort of concept, right? So it's, I think it's like not that 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 concept is not germane to just that that sort of term it's probably around in a lot of other cultures or whatever Leva, how about you this has always been a film that's resonating with you for years almost stubbornly so with doug laughing in your ears you tried to show it to him is there been that was there a particular theme that, be, that that just best drew you to it stuck you with it i'll return back to that review of uh i, I believe the the youtube character is atinche um mm -hmm. Who, who, by the way, BJ, screw Great you for, for, for pointing me to his stuff because I now have spent like <laughs> probably 30 hours this week just like like passively consuming his, his things. His, his, his Checkmate Lincolnites uh, videos are just hilarious to me. Had you never seen his stuff before? Never, never heard of him. He, he is great. He has so much wonderful material. I love him as an historian in terms of things he goes through. Um, but no, I mean, I, 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 it really spoke to me. Like this, this movie seems like it was made for me. Like, horror movie uh action movie cannibalism old west like this is, all, all these layers are fantastic now i'm checking a lot of boxes for sure. i do i do say this spencer that the manifest destiny sort of american culture thing that was the weakest part like that was the weakest hmm. theme to me um i was i thought i thought it was a little bit too on the nose um hmm. uh but the sort of like addiction or homosexuality you can go in either direction right you know uh, idea of there being this temptation that it, you're you're drawn to and you and and makes you better in some ways but ultimately it's destructive to you um i thought that was a more interesting theme for me um but honestly this movie is just fantastic it's, it's really just, <laughs> just a real gem i, I can say one yeah. thing it was it was a probably a poor choice for us is that Bridget and i always watch films over dinner and so this was our dinner movie <laughs> oh boy that was a rough call there were a couple scenes of where we were like i'm gonna keep eating but this isn't improving my appetite necessarily as I go through this. Well, especially that first one where they, they, yeah. they talked about that one. That when one they were just eating meat, that was just. It was like, just so gross how it was oof. done. Yeah. Uh, Spencer, we, we did this um, in the, the Never's More podcast where we threw out the, the one to 10. Um, you gave, you gave uh, never, you gave the first episode of Never's More four and a half. What do you give this movie? Um, I probably. This is a hard grader. I'm a hard, I'm a bit of a hard grader, but I'd probably give it seven and a half, eight. Well, there you go. Levi 10, Avi 10. 
Nine and a half. Nine and a half, BJ? Say seven. I'm going to go Great. seven, too. So I thought I thought it was high, but yeah, seven. I, I don't know. I, I I thought this is what's so interesting about this podcast is, you know, Levi, you opened it up. I went first. I thought I was hot taking this thing. I was like, I was going to say this was like a good movie and I was going to be on that corner. You guys like just put me like y'all like 12 million. This thing looks like it's 30 million. Like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> now all of a sudden I'm in, the, I'm in the this movie is shit corner. No, no, this is part of the part of the reason I was legitimately trying to push you and Sarah to watch it, like even watch it together. It's like, no, this is not a bad film. This is not like we're making you watch a trashy horror film. This actually has some fun things to talk about. Yeah, it is. It's it's a good it's a good movie for sure. So Spencer, one follow up question: uh, Godfather Part Two or Ravenous? <laughs> Which one do you Fuck pick? Off, man! <laughs> it's a good film, but I'm not putting it in my top ten. I wouldn't even put it. By, I, I wouldn't put it in my top ten horror films, much less my top ten films. Period. That's yeah, rude. see, That's I was rude. I was the same way. I was I was starting to get a little startled when Levi was like very casually throwing out like better than Green Mile, and I'm like, well, wait a second. I mean, like, hold on. Like, like hold up there. What what are you really <laughs> doing here? Now, now this is possibly the the the, uh, the most Levi. Uh, question uh, that I can think of. When's the last time you watched The Green Mile? Who, me? Yeah, you. Like two years ago. I really like that movie. It's one of the few movies, I got up maybe a handful, but it will make me cry every time I watch it. And I'm like kind of a weirdo. Like sometimes I like to, I like that emotion out of a movie. Like so sometimes sure. I like to watch a movie that like could be a little bit of a tearjerker. And that one yeah. always gets me. Boy, when he's walking that, he's walking it the last bit. Woo, he's walking that Green Mile. Now I will... I will call out. Um, I, I've disclosed previously uh, that in 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 the epic movie uh, Moneyball, uh, there's a scene between Brad, Brad Pitt and his daughter that makes me cry, and you guys sort of laughed at me. Terry, oh. I, I feel your pain. No, the, Terry, Terry definitely was like, "What the hell is wrong with you?" Like, this, this is a really weird reaction that you have. Um, Terry, I'm glad you like it. Um, I, I, I the reason why I asked the question is because I haven't seen The Green Mile since probably it was released or, or shortly thereafter. Um, so I have no clue how that movie ages. All I know is the sort of cultural commentary about this magical magical black man um which is a little they just made the guy white so it wouldn't be that for you like it's so much more than just the fact that guy's black but like i get where you i get i get that it's crap but i'll tell you it is on my rolodex of movies that, that i rewatch. it's one of the ones i rewatch. it's like i mean then there's probably like 30 of those but like it is on that list for me okay so it's like it's like uh black hawk down um also another great movie that is is criminally underrated by by that soundtrack that soundtrack is the best thing again movies with great soundtracks black hawk down ravenous it's it's really fantastic if you had to choose one to listen to like to put you know on a pandora station or something like that it's it's unfair ravenous is is, (laughs) is, is a soundtrack that is that needs a context and needs like a vibe whereas like black hawk down creates a vibe uh it's it's a little different thing um all right okay So we all think this is possibly one of the, the 10 uh, greatest movies of all time. Uh, yep. Literally just said, I'm bored with that. that yeah. hundred percent co-sign that Levi. We and will say though, as a, as a channel, as a, as a podcast channel, it's a watch. We give it a watch. Yep. Yes. Definitely watch it this movie. Don't, don't watch it necessarily over dinner. Learn from my mistakes, but watch but it. It is, I, a, it is a I, thumbs up. I yep. think it's also an easy sell of the three horror films that we've watched purposely going with kind of odd forgotten little horror movies. Best one of the three. Yep. Through gritted teeth, I say that. I really like the. I really like the the way they did Megan is missing. But yeah, you're right. It is better probably than Megan is missing. Easier to recommend. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So you, you don't have to say you know trigger warning at some point. You need Ooh. to. Uh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, Megan's missing is not one you were on the water cooler. Hey, did you check that one out? Yeah. <laughs>
Because that makes it for conversation next week after they do. <laughs> but all right, we give it a watch. Anything else you want to say about Ravenous? That was fun. All right. Well, good, uh, good recommendation, Levi. Thanks everybody for, for joining us here on Manga Watches. We don't know what movie we're going to do next, but we'll probably stay in the horror genre since BJ's just said like he's seen basically five horror movies in his life. Uh, so we're <laughs> going to, we're going to probably uh, go through some horror movies here to, to get BJ, um, get BJ a little bit more a of culture. an encyclopedia there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the guest. <laughs>